What's up, world, and welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff Podcast, where hip-hop heads discuss hip-hop topics. On this episode, we'll first dive into a couple of news nuggets, such as what rapper Danny Brown revealed about when he went on tour with Childish Gambino. Also, the Andre 3000 feature that was almost nixed from Killer Mike's upcoming album. Then, we'll actually dive into a conversation about the movie Into the Spider-Verse 2 and discuss its symbiotic relationship with hip-hop culture and how that relationship has fueled its popularity. Then we'll dive into the subject of who we feel are the most slept-on and underrated hip-hop producers. We'll name who's made our shortlist and also name some of the albums that they've produced that we feel the listeners should check out. Then we'll answer the mailbag question, what hip-hop albums are great to bump on a road trip? Then for our album face-off, we'll be putting Bobby Digital by RZA against Beneath the Surface by Jizza and weigh in on which album we felt was better and why. And then the crew will share what they've been bumping for the week. So with that, please kick back and enjoy the show. What's up, people? Hey, hey, what's going on? Nothing much, nothing much. So that's 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 the uh, that's the graduation girl, uh, class twenty three, huh? Yep, four more years, and then four more years after that, maybe. And then <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up, man. I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her. Yep, me too. It was the shortest, and most. First of all, it was on time. Oh yeah, they not playing. <laughs> and short, like 30, 40 minutes, and we was out of there. Oh, nice, nice. I actually got to go to my niece's uh, graduation um, this Thursday, and um, yeah, what's up? What's up, Sale? Hey, what's up? And um, yeah, she's graduating from high school, so this has to be the first graduation I've went to for a kid not my own <laughs> or in my immediate family. Okay. You know, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. She she's she's been through a lot this year, so you know, it'll be good to show her support on her big day. Good. Talking yeah. about going to going to Philly. Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. That's it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Good. You know, but what's what's good with you, Sal? Nothing much. Just came from the uh, convention today. That's about it. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Yeah, I saw your in-laws there. They, they the ones that said y'all was going to Pittsburgh. That's right. Yep, yep. You saw them there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I ain't seen them probably since since your wedding. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. All right, man. I appreciate you all um, hopping on the show a day early. I'm waiting for at least one or two other people. Um, but I, I had to alter some things because one, because of going out of town and two, um, game five of the finals is tomorrow and I expect Denver to put away Miami. And That's right. Um, that's that's what I'm hoping for. So, yep. Uh, I've been saying that since the start of the playoffs, Denver for all of it. But Hey, I was saying that too. I was <laughs> saying that too. And Everybody folks will look at me crazy. I'm like, they're like, oh, you just want to see something different? I'm like, of course. Yeah, everybody was like, oh, this is just Phoenix, or it's, it's Golden State, or it's LA. Vegas. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know about that. Like, Denver might have something to say about that. 
The Celtics were the surprise, though. I'm surprised they're not facing them. Yeah, I'm, the the problem with Boston is that they play down to their competition. I think they're a little cocky and a little overconfident. And these these unsuspecting teams come in and they can kind of sense that and they come in and they punch them in the mouth. <laughs> and, and then they can't, you know, they can't get themselves back together. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was telling people that uh, Denver was dangerous, but hey. <laughs> Nobody listens to me, but <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. But um, but let's get into this show, man. Quite a quite a, a a I guess you could say meaty show or pod I have prepared today. The first first little news nugget I wanted to get to was this story about Danny Brown, uh, the rapper Danny Brown, who he did an interview recently, or not not even really an interview. I think it was his podcast. And he had revealed how when he he went on tour with uh, Childish Gambino back in like 2010, and he was reflecting on his 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 time there in that particular tour uh, when Childish Gambino, I think he had the royalty mixtape come out around this time, but um, he was talking about how on that tour he got booed off stage almost every night. And um, he said, I remember when I first did Toxic, people weren't really messing with Childish Gambino like that around that time. He said, because I remember when he asked me to go on that tour, my manager at that time was like, you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get on the road, which was, I will say, that was one of the wor- worst tours I ever played. They hated my guts every night. I was getting pulled off stage. Wow. I remember... I remember I was crying one night, like crying crocodile tears like a little bee sitting in some diner. Uh, we had some girls with us and everything. I ain't even want to deal with those bees, man. I'm like, they hate me, man. This stuff sucks. I'm really trash. <laughs> but he was talking about the wow. perspective he gained. Um, he said by having a little more distance from the traumatic events of his past, he said the way I look at it, man, our music was so different. I was coming from a whole different perspective than what he was coming on. Uh, But then I got in the studio. I'm like, oh, this nigga is dope. So I would say more than anything, I've been impressed by people that I I didn't really think were like that. He's just an all around talented MF in that sense. And I'd be jealous of them MFs too. I call them art school kids. Like this dude can really do anything. Why you want to rap? This is all I got. This is all I know how to do. So I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, that he got, he he was getting uh, booed off stage. I remember hearing a similar experience with OJ the Juice Man, who was the opening, he, he, he was signed on for a tour where he was the opening act for Wu-Tang Clan. And he was talking about how he got booed off the stage every night as well. But he kind of expected it because he knew his, Listeners weren't Wu Tang fans. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. You know, but I I thought that was that, that was interesting. Yeah. What's going on, Jamil? What up? What up? What up? What's going on? You fresh off June 9th. Um, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> A prosperous, uh, belated Luke Day to you as well. Indeed. Indeed. You too. You too, brother. <laughs> 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 um, my brother. I'm surprised. 
I'm thinking about what you was just talking about, Ian. I'm surprised his lesson wasn't listen to your manager. That is a good lesson too. That is a good lesson too. Yeah, because I, I can see honestly, I'm a fan of both of those dudes, Danny Brown and Shadow Gambino. So I I would definitely sign up to see a show with the two of them, you know, performing their respective songs. So, but what's funny is that like a lot of people, when they heard this, they they responded like kind of like basically saying, calling out those fans, like the nerve of them that love Childish Gambino's music, but then turn around and hate Danny, Danny Brown. Well, what was the demographic? We need more information. For real. He never really gets into that. He never really gets into that. It's a Childish Gambino show. <laughs> right. Context clues. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would imagine a lot of art school kids, like he said, mm. um, a lot of white girls. Thank you. Stop beating around the bush. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we saying the part he didn't obviously say in the interview. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's funny, man? My son actually used to be scared of Danny Brown. When I, <laughs> yeah, that kind of makes sense. That tracks. When, when I would watch his videos on like the TV or like his podcast on the, on the TV, he would like run out of the room screaming, like, "Like no, no, that's that scary, man!" <laughs> hey, man, Danny Brown is wild. Like even visually, <laughs> he is. He is. He's a lot to take in. You know. He's allowed to take in. He actually likes him now. He actually thinks he's funny. But man, when he was a little like little 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 guy, he was like he would run out of the room screaming. It just sighted this dude. <laughs> That's um, saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but moving right along, there was another one, another news nugget I wanted to get to. Apparently, there's an Andre three thousand verse uh, that's been secured for Killer Mike's approaching album. The name of the song is Scientists and Engineers, and it says this will be the 3000's first guest verse in nearly two years um, as he last appeared on Kanye West's Life of the Party uh, from 2021's Donda. A snippet of Scientists and Engineers also serviced online at a listening party for Killer Mike's upcoming album, Michael in New York. Apparently, there was some back and forth with this, too, because... Andre did not want him to use the verse initially because okay let me make sure I get this right okay uh, Andre 2000 made the right decision to stay on an upcoming Killer Mike collaboration after hearing another featured artist on the track ahead of his solo album arriving later this month Killer Mike went on Instagram on Monday to detail how the 3000 and future assisted scientists and engineers came about thanks to musician Aaron Allen Kane Apparently, the Outkast member was fascinated with Kane's contribution to the song, which made him want his verse to remain on Scientists and Engineers. So initially, Andre wanted him to take the verse off because he wasn't terribly impressed with the song, with the unfinished version of the song he heard. And Killer Mike explained, he said, Andre 3000, he's in Japan right now as we talk, playing the flute. He called me, he's like, kill i don't know about the song man we just got a good rap record man so basically he was saying the track was good not great and to nix the verse um what, what do y'all think it is i think that's fair like dre is a uh 
you know, is a keeper of his legacy. And like, yeah. you know, I don't, I only do this every so often. Yeah. So don't put me on a bull. Why you got me out here with future? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it no better than that. That's it. That's that's it. That's the verse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's interesting, like the the level of of care that he still has about his music. I think that's that's exceptional. It's like a lot of artists don't take that care with their with their music and with their verses and their overall legacy. And I think that's part of what makes Andre special. Like, like if this yeah. ain't gonna be great, like why do it? Yeah, right. If you've ever seen not like- him talk about creating music. Mm-hmm. He talks about it from the perspective of a God creating life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, like he he talks about it from the perspective that this is going to be alive. This is going to touch people. This is going to grow. It's going to do something. You you know what I mean? And a lot of artists don't don't think that deep about it. It's like, okay, this is the rhyme. This is the music. I'm gonna put this together. I'm gonna package this. I'm gonna make this money. I'm gonna go on tour. I'm gonna do it again until people are tired of me. And I'm gonna make my money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that's never been his thing. Yeah, it's, it's commerce versus art. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, indeed, indeed. You know, I'm 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 glad he he takes such care with his with his music. You know, I mean, like I think more artists kind of need to do the do the same. You know, no, I mean, I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> you, you know hmm. why? You know why? Because they're not artists. They're, they're yeah. not artists. So they can't do it the way Andre does it. They have to have a good marketing team. They have to have a ghostwriter. They have to, like, they they need that stuff to be popular. Dre didn't. Well, I'll say that. He said, I'm going to be me, and this is how I want to do it. And this is what I wanted to grow into. And he was successful in that. Everybody can't view it from that perspective. They they're just gonna have to be, you know, what they are. They're, and they're just not a lot of those people that we listen to just aren't artists. I, I look at it this way. I, I, I think Andre is a is an upper echelon lyricist. And there are a lot of lyricists out there. However, more care can be taken into even a, a, a lot of the features that these lyricists green light. Chastity don't don't come in my head, but take for instance J. Cole. I think J. Cole was a great lyricist, but I kind of some of the features he's been giving out lately, like I don't my my issue is that one, some of them don't make sense to me creatively and artistically. Like okay, it's like you appear to be on this track to kind of just kind of co-sign this particular artist. And is his flow the problem or you just don't like that he not at all. His flow is not a not an issue with me at all. It's just um, how can I put it? He he's just giving away too many verses, too many guest verses. Do you think that these verses haven't turned out well though? Not even necessarily Cole's verse, because you know he's always gonna get you fired. But like the collaborations, although not in a lot of cases, not one that you would typically think of. Do you think that they've come out poorly? Because I can't really think of one that wasn't well done. It just, and I don't even know that it's it's 
like a, I don't know. I agree if I agree with that that he's giving too many verses away because I don't feel like he's doing the same kind of volume as like during the mixtape era with Lil Wayne or right. T Pain. You know what I mean? Like that was that was a saturation point, um, and I don't think Cole is anywhere near that. Well, no, he's not. However, outside of his verses. Are you really listening to the other people on this song, on these these tracks, these collaborations? Some of them. Okay. I can't um, say I can't say I can't say that that's the case for all, right? Like the Johnny I mean, P's Chatty I mean, is one that I can think of off the top that absolutely listen to the whole thing. Wait, which one? Johnny P's Caddy. Okay. I'm eager to hear who, who Ian or what particular song is top of mind for Ian right now. It's the song he did with that female chick. Uh, What's her name? Bia from the UK. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever actually heard her part before. <laughs> That's my point. That's my point. Like, like, I can see the video in my head, but I can't. I can't even hear her her voice. I, I can just see the video. I I heard Jake. I can hear Jake Cole's verse, but I can't. Yeah, I can't even. She ain't even remember memorable to me. Like like the, like Johnny P's Caddy, that was different because he was on it with Benny the Butcher. You know, he's a peer, he's a respected lyricist. He sells drugs to the community. It's it's fun. We all having a good time here. <laughs> and that was memorable. And plus the the beat, the instrumental that they chose for that was phenomenal. Um, but um it was that and it was somebody else he recently collaborated with. Was it Lil Dirk? Yeah, I think it was Lil Dirk. And I heard the verse. Verse was was decent, very respectable verse. But I can't say I was really there for anything else. Well, it's not his fault if uh, <laughs> the people he collaborating with aren't on his level. Are you to what say- degree? It kind of is. I'm, I'm just saying. Are you saying that? He can't flame other artists, then we'll never have Renegade. Like you, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying he he cannot flame other artists. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying though is that in in the spirit of what Andre 3000 is doing, it would be. I think it would be a better move for your legacy to collaborate with people who are more on your level. Lyric. I don't know if Jack Cola ever be Andre 3000 though. That's yeah. I'm not saying he has Dre, to be Andre 3000, but to follow Dre, his right. But I don't think you can follow that formula, though. I, 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 that's what I'm saying. A lot of people just can't afford to follow Dre's formula. Dre has yeah. been consistent through five albums. You know, what and I'm he saying? hasn't been this like recluse like that up until recently. So prior to that, I don't think you know he was operating in the same space. Like it wasn't like Outkast did a, a bunch of collabs, but they was around. Like they were definitely doing yeah. you know collabs with their artists. But like, say you talk about somebody, it's just like uh, he—he's just an, a complete outlier. Like, what type of what type of artist would you even put in the same category with Andre Three Thousand? Not just for the lyricism, but also for the content. The you talking about the cadence? You talking about um, lifestyle? I mean, because they made money, but you can never tell with him. Right. You you know what I'm saying? For him, it w- it was like this dude was making money. Concerts are selling out. Outcasts being screamed. Like especially in the dirty South. South love these people. 
and it's and, and you never know. You never know what Andre three thousand. All but the they, instruments he learned just so he could make this one song and like I, I can't think of anybody that's like that dude. He's just such a he's he's just like Pluto. He's just out there. He's just I don't I don't know anybody who could do his formula because they're not like him. It was a different era too. I mean, we had Outkast, Goody Mob. We had a whole crew of self that was similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but at least I'm. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm speaking more to showing more discretion with who you give verses to because they can't afford it, though. So you mean like not doing songs with people like Rich Boy, right? (laughs) Indeed, indeed. I, you mean like Dre did? Oh wait, wait, wait! Hold on, hold on! I caught that. I caught that. Bang, bang! <laughs> but again, again, to Marcelo's point, that was before he kind of became this recluse. Like that was that was when he started kind of like scaling back, and and you could kind of tell it's like, yeah, I'm a I'm a drop in for a feature here and there, but I'm kind of done putting out projects. Mm-hmm. And now he's barely even doing features, right? He's just walking around so Japan, like playing his like flute letting his hair get gray and i think that's awesome except for when you do stuff with like rick ross <laughs> hey man that 16 verse was fire yes it was what about ross <laughs> that 16 verse was fire <laughs> exactly so i don't feel like the argument really holds up is <laughs> all i'm saying like i don't you know, know like, yeah, you make- to apply these to other people yeah. Dre didn't even do what we're saying he's doing. You 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 make a good point. You make a good point. Andre cares about the overall quality of the track, whereas I'm more. I'm 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 a factoring in the other artists on the track with them as part of the quality, and right. you know yeah I mean Ross had nothing to answer that 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 song. Nah, <clears throat> but it was. I'm glad it went down. I'm glad the song actually exists. Right, <laughs> and maybe that's Ross's purpose is to make sure that we were able to get the verse, you know. So, but there you have it. There you have it. Real quick, man, a discussion. Uh, I wanted to get into uh, this. Was this topic was actually uh, broached to me by um, my good friend on here, Marcellus. I don't know. I know Chad said you were planning to see this movie, um, and that was the Into the Spider Verse too. Um, Jamil, have you seen it yet? I haven't. I'm tapping out because that's that's right up my alley, and I don't want no spoilers. No, I will not. No, no, yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep it spoiler free. Okay, because I will be on I-55. Um, there, 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 there's a discussion to be had about that particular film and, and really its predecessor too, the first Spider-Verse movie yeah. and its, its influence on the culture, or should, should I say how that particular movie and, and the culture, the hip hop culture influence each other. Um, and Mar- Marcellus, I, I take it you had, you had made some observations with this, um, but what what was it you you wanted to speak on specifically regarding its influence on the culture or the culture's influence on it and and why it's such a hit i think one of the reasons well to to go back to the creation of spider-man if you i think i sent you the TikTok when stanley had an interview <clears throat> and they said they didn't deliberately do it but they always wanted spider-man to be anybody 
Mm-hmm. And he said that's one of the best parts about the costume is that it covers his whole face. You don't see any part of Spider-Man. So anybody from anywhere can be Spider-Man. So when I think uh, Brian Michael Bendis is actually the one that created Miles mm-hmm. and that, that universe. And when you look at the character, he's just a kid. He's just a kid. He's, he's just trying to find his way just like any other teenager. He just so happens to be Afro-Latino. He just so happens to be in from Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, 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 it's like, okay, we're going to tell the story of Spider-Man from this perspective. So when you go into, into the Spider-Verse, the first movie, you know, because when, when Miles came out, people had this notion like they're trying to replace Peter Parker. No, Miles is from his own universe. And he's got his own stuff going. And he got bit by a spider just like 616 Spider-Man did that we know as Peter Parker. You know what I'm saying? So they coming from a completely different perspective. There was hate on Miles because it's like Peter Parker. I remember. White and blah, blah, blah. There was hate on Miles way before this movie even came out. Yeah, the concept of him as a comic character, like when, when spoiler alert for something to happen, like 15 years ago, when Peter Parker got killed in the Ultimate Universe, I think that's when it really picked up. Right. Yeah. It was like, oh, they got an agenda and they're trying to make Spider-Man black. They didn't get rid of Spider-Man that was in our universe, the six point six universe. Like this is a completely different universe and different things happened and now they're gonna try to merge this junk together. You know? Years so, later. Right. It wasn't like it was right away. Right, right. You know, so I'm like so so to see that Marvel follows Stanley's formula with this movie and you see all these different spider people. You know what I'm saying? All different races, different you know nationalities different genders different species you know what i'm saying so it's like that that to me was a big deal because now you can't spin it like there's an agenda no this is how it always started and one of the reasons why i think is is works so well is because when you see that so many people can relate so like i'm looking up you know into the spider-verse stuff and there's this indian uh guy a a real indian not indigenous not native american that was an indian spider-man so since i'm looking this stuff up i've started running into people asian people south asian people indian people on tiktok talking about how they like the portrayal and all this type of stuff so i asked the dude on tiktok i said hey what was that thing that he was you know uh fighting with and he talked about um it's it refers to uh, indian martial art and it's, it's part of uh the culture and then he's talked about uh the way they had spider that indian spider-man look and the way they completely changed his look for the movie so the movie did way more justice than the comic because in the comic it looked like spider-man was like a sash or something okay you know and i'm like no that's not how you represent so the movie is taking way more care to make sure people are represented a very specific way and to me that's important because 
you need that type of representation and this movie is like if if animals could talk animals would be able to relate to this movie <laughs> because there are animals that are Spider-Man in the movie because yeah. that they were bit and they had the powers and that's what happened in their universe you know what I'm saying yeah so, yeah I was able to catch that yeah you, so it, you, it was you just all like, talked about I'm, I'm sorry real, real quick just to jump back to something Jamil was saying about what people were saying about an agenda years ago just because creators of this property might have an agenda it doesn't necessarily mean the agenda is bad if the agenda is hey we just want to increase representation of more diverse groups that we know are reading these comics okay it's an agenda but it's a good agenda it's yeah. a productive agenda depending and, on who you ask you know the racist said the, the quiet part loud so it's like okay now we know who you are <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying because keep in mind with the ultimate universe um jamil you might be familiar with this uh they didn't have a fantastic four if i remember and nick fury was black right. so nick fury was black and now they got a black spider-man so it was like oh this is you know where where y'all going with this and one of the things people were always saying is why don't y'all make brand new characters why don't y'all make brand new characters so this was a this was a middle ground we're going to take something you're familiar with and we're going to create a completely different world for this character to exist in and in the end miles is one of the strongest spider-man's you know spider people that exists mm-hmm. you know so it's it's like and, and now he has his own comic he can represent and hold his own comic down and to me that's a slap in the face to the people that was hating and i hate to say it but it's kind of a slap in the face to tc because they constantly canceling comics with with representation Every time right. we try to have our own character, they give them cancer, give them a, a scandal. So what are we supposed to do? Right. <laughs> don't don't get me started, please. Please. So, like I said, I, I I think it's fantastic that that people can see beyond the BS that the loud minority is screaming, and and be able to watch the movie, and like I said, it represents the culture because. Miles is a kid. He likes hip hop. He likes his music. He dresses a specific way. But dude is smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's really, really smart. And he has ideas about what he wants to do and things that he wants to accomplish. And that is important too because you need representation to tell people y'all don't all have to be into sports and y'all don't all have to rap. Right. You, you need somebody sometimes to be able to say that a man over here trying to trying to open up gates to other dimensions he trying to go see his people he trying to figure out more about who he is how did this happen i mean like he like digging into some deep scientific stuff yeah you know so i'm like man that's that's huge and considering we about to talk about the jizzle later on and you know yeah so right. see how deep he get with it you know so I think for a young cat to to be in a minority community and to be talking about that type of stuff is a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. What what, what did your daughter think of it, uh, Jazz? Did, did she see it with you? Yeah, she really liked it. We liked it. 
Um, I listened to the soundtrack. She haven't really listened to the soundtrack much, but I like that the soundtrack wasn't all hip hop. You know, it was yeah. other beats in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good soundtrack. I like the first one better, but it's a solid soundtrack. Yeah. But yeah, we loved it. Okay, okay. Yeah, my son loved it too, man. Like he loved it more than Guardians uh Volume Three. Um Oh of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he um, Yeah, that was that wasn't a fun watch. It wasn't. It, it, I mean, like I, I enjoyed the movie, man. It was some it was some dark scenes in there. I was like, ooh, they, they took it there? Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm in my seat folded up. Uh <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, Miles Morales is the only Spider-Man he he knows or cares about. My uh-huh. my, my particular son, and I think that's dope. I think that's dope. Like the only one he knows or cares about. He he's aware of the Peter Parker one, but what like what, like around the time like Endgame and Infinity Wars was coming out, I was trying to get him into that, but he just he didn't really take to it. He didn't really take to it, but for whatever reason, people. yeah, yeah. But but for whatever reason, this Miles Morales Spider Man, he he he's all about it, man. He is all about it. Like I I was I enjoyed the second one definitely, uh, especially with what they did. I, I but the first one really impressed me um, because this was kind of like I'm not I'm not in the comic books as much as Marcellus and Jamil, so I, I didn't know if this was a new Spider-Man. I didn't know if this was an alternate universe Spider-Man. So I'm going in completely fresh. So when I saw the first one, I was so thoroughly impressed and entertained by it. You know, I was on board. And one of the things I really appreciated was how they kind of, not only did they, you know, make him a, a minority, but he was a minority steeped in hip hop culture as well. It's like, mm-hmm. with him going out tagging and, the different music he was listening to and the sneakers he was rocking like yeah. i was like oh man this is this is this is more than i bargained for this is this is pretty cool and and to see that that hip-hop influence on a, a major property like that i i think is cool it's it's you know <clears throat> hip-hop is kind of um in, in a way it's it's become mainstream you know yeah it's, it's no longer this this counterculture thing but for whatever reason, still like the the seeing that represented in film, we 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 were kind of still out lagging behind on. But yeah. this film yeah. kind of dives all into that, like you know, we're on, on on with both feet, you know. And I, that's what that's what I really appreciated about it. And and another thing as far as representing the culture, Miles has like the weight of the world on his shoulders, but he is looking at it from the perspective of a teenager like when we were back in the day when toby mcguire did spider-man toby was graduating from high school you know what i'm saying he was he was about to go to college and he was still over here sweating mj when uncle ben died you you know what i mean yeah so it made it a little bit harder to, to recognize like okay if i'm 13 14 years old i'm 10 12 years old this dude is probably like right out of the range for me to give a crap you know what i mean yeah. But now Miles is going through the same stuff, but he's a teenager, and he's not a rebellious teenager. He has goals, he has dreams, you know. He's cool with his parents. He's got a two-parent household. You you know what I'm saying? His, yeah. Both his parents are professionals. You know, the cop and the nurse, and it's like, to me, 
that's again that's huge just to show hey why are we constantly getting the same portrayals in minority communities you know like remember everybody hates chris with the white teacher and she kept talking about all the stuff that was going on in chris's life that was never happening oh because your mother was a crackhead like no <laughs> you know what i mean like oh did your daddy leave all your your mom with all your kids no <laughs> you know so but in this movie it's like they don't even make it a big deal like this is who he is this is where they come from and this is what he's trying to do he's trying to save the world just like all the spider-mans everywhere are trying to do except he's trying to do it as a 15 year old and he gets grounded by his parents and you know he talks back and you know his, his dad snaps on him like a dad would you, you know what i mean and it's it's like they, they have regular family dynamic stuff in a two-parent minority household you know and a Indeed. lot of times we don't see that and it, it makes to me that completely changes the next generation's view of what they think the culture is because remember when we was growing up, it was like, oh, you you light skinned you you ain't black enough, and just like they said with Outcast, oh, he he was representing some aliens, and what is he talking about? He ain't representing real rap, <laughs> you know, because they don't they don't talk about drugs enough, and they ain't on the corners, and you you know what I'm saying? They dress like genies, <laughs> right? Exactly. So to have Miles be all these things for all these cultures, and then they go in hop dimensions and they bring out all these other cultures dude that was that was ooh. and be to be able to pull it off and have it make sense like a child can follow this storyline yeah and that was that was fantastic you you got to really understand how to write for a child to be able to relate to miles because that's a that's a that's a tough bag you know yeah yeah so oh like man said, it, it, that, was, that was phenomenal for me but i think like the kids our day are smarter than we were because <clears throat> some of the banter in the movie i think my what's my daughter 14 14 year old me probably would have missed it she caught it all <laughs> so, I so agree. you know yep. they they didn't have to really dumb the movie down at all for kids right. to understand it because these yep. kids are smart they got access to the internet, social right. media. They got way more access to information than we did when we was 14. You know, right. when I was 14, the internet didn't even exist. And if it did, it was on dial-up. It was a 56K ski art. Like, <laughs> right. Now they pull it up this junk on Google, you know? So, yeah, I agree 100%. They, they definitely smarter than we was when we was 14. Do you all think the influence of, of hip-hop culture in this particular spider-verse i guess you could say um contributes to its popularity i think that's part of possibly it. possibly uh, for a certain segment i would say yeah because yeah. they're not drowning you in mm. right you know they're saying this is where miles is from he's the main character okay but this is where gwen is from and she plays the drums with this band and this is where this dude is from and he plays the guitar this is where this person is from and, and it's like okay these are just spider people and unfortunately they got a they got a heavy weight on their shoulders because they're spider people and they're all these different spider people you know and i think that's one of the things that appeals to it like this is like marvel's version of a deep cut of inside out I remember Inside Out for Disney. Yeah, and mm -hmm. really, what this is when you think about it, it's it's a version, it's a deeper version of Inside Out. 
So mm-hmm. I went and saw it at the AMC in Crestwood, and it was a seven seven fifteen show. So prime time, it was eighty percent Latino in that theater. Really interesting. I believe. Yep. Because they, like I said, they've been talking about it on TikTok. They were talking about the first movie on TikTok, like hard. Latino mm-hmm. community loved that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because as Jamil brought out 10, 12 years ago, like the conversations around these different race characters, even in comics, was just like so controversial. And now, you know, I mean, I mean it still is doing major numbers. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Has the pitch changed at all? No, no, no. And it ain't been the last 10 or 12 years like this is. I can speak to it being at least 20 years but i have to assume it's been longer than that yeah the 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 part of the issue is because the numbers don't lie right if you represent people well even though the majority of people who read comics are still the same which is just white boys they're still interested now with a new generation coming up because they have access to stuff and they can they can kind of ward off indoctrinizational practices. You know what I'm saying? I.e. racism, sexism, homophobia, la la la. Right. So when they go and they see something that's well written, they'll still gravitate towards it. And right. that says a lot about Miles. Because the majority of the people that's buying these comics ain't in New York. They're not black. They're not African. They're not Latino. You know what I'm saying? So you really have to be able to write a character well for people who don't relate to this character to still be able to buy this comic you know what i'm saying yeah that that's how well miles is written and and like i said that's that's one of the reasons why we had the the issues with dc now dc got got blue beetle coming out blue beetles is the same dude miguel from the karate kid the uh hispanic dude you know the latino dude so it's like okay don't screw this up dc you, you got to represent you know what i'm saying jamie reyes been in the comics and ain't nobody been sweating it but he's always a side character he's always in the background his comics don't do well he, he not he not repping the whole comic right now because dc can't write him it's not a very interesting character i found personally but they but they didn't make him interesting that's fair because he was actually pretty interesting in their cartoon in uh young justice he's very interesting but not in the comic the comic is like he's just a skeleton key you know what i'm saying he's just a deus ex machina like uh we need somebody to pull up with the tech all right let's get cyborg let's get blue beetle let's get mr terrific all right they'll be able to fix this and and then the story will end You, you know what i mean like michael that's real Brian Michael Bendis created a whole world and universe for Miles to come from. Same thing he did with, you know, the Ultimate X-Men and all that type of stuff. So he was a completely fleshed out character by the time he got transported into 616. You know what I'm saying? So so he had all his other drama and all this other stuff. Same thing with Gwen Stacy. She was a completely fleshed out character before she started interacting with all these other universes that to me was fantastic they didn't just say oh we need a girl spider-man no 
just like with Silk. They didn't just say, we need an Asian Spider-Man. No, they, they fleshed these people out and said, okay, what are we going to do now? Now, what they did with folks after the creator fleshed them out, that's on them. But like with Miles, Miles is obviously the most popular of the Spider-People, you know, since Peter Parker. Yeah. You know, so, and like I said, I think that's, like you said, I think that's dope. New generation got a new Spider-Man. So mm-hmm. everybody should have something they, they can relate to. Indeed. Indeed. Relatively, you know, authentic. Because, like, that's what a kid from Brooklyn would behave like. Right. Right. And that's how his parents would behave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got to be mm-hmm. Spanish. <laughs> his mom went off. You know? Yes, indeed. Like, you know, what? <laughs> so, like I said, it's, it's, it just feels realistic. It feels like stuff that, that kids can relate to. And coming off a pandemic you know more and more folks got uh the different anxieties and they feel like they got the weight of the world on their shoulders and i'm trying to take care of my parents and i'm trying to make these moves in school and do i get this job and and miles is able to portray that because that's how spider-man has always been portrayed as someone who's young but has all these gigantic responsibilities yeah you know yeah so and and they write it well so i think just just like I said, even with the Indian dude, the Indian dude was probably in that movie not even 15 minutes. And it's a two and a half hour movie. He wasn't in that movie not even 15 minutes. The time he spent in that movie, I bet you they took days and months to make sure they got that dude right. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, it felt like it. It felt like yeah. it. Yeah. That's like y'all like really it. thought this out. Y'all thought out his personality, his outfit, how he would how he would move all the spider people move different like it's it's like hundreds of these dudes and every time you see them they all move different like if, if you have you ever paid attention to that actually i did not i i thought it was none just the animation them, style none of them swing their webs the same way when they own their webs none of them swing them the same way None of them land the same way. That the way that they view their powers from their perspective and their personality. Yeah, we can all stick to walls, but the way we do it is different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I gotta watch so, it again to be like quite the honest. Same, it's like the whole, but no, the animation style. You won't. You on point with that. All of them are diff, are drawn differently because they come from a different universe. Right, right. So, so no, you you definitely picked up on that. Yeah. Um, it's just amazing how Sony could could be so bad at making superhero <laughs> movies, but they they nailed it on this one. Man, they 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 if if they don't get nominated, they they nah. I I don't think anybody is gonna beat them in the in the animation department this year. They gonna they gonna just take the Oscar again. I can't see them not taking the Oscar again for animated film. Yeah, yeah. They took it for the first one. Oh, did they? Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the, the first one was was awesome. Like, I I actually saw that one in 3D, and I, I think I, when I if I go back to see the the second one again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna try to do the same if they if they got that option. But um, yeah, man, yeah, check it out if you have not checked it out. Uh, anybody out there? But yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's a great movie. You don't even have to really be a comic buff to really be able to appreciate it too. So. That's pretty dope too. That's pretty dope too. But moving right along, man. A topic I wanted to get to. Um, underrated slash slept on hip hop producers. 
you know, a lot of times when it comes to naming the greats, when it comes to producing, a lot of times the same names always come up. Uh, Pete Rock, DJ Premier, Dr. Dre, Timbaland, RZA, uh, who else? Um, Q-Tip, uh, Jay Dilla, Knife Wonder, you know, and so on and so on. However, I wanted to get you all's opinion on if you had five to 10 hip hop producers that you feel are underrated and slept on, and if so, what projects in their discography do you feel we should check out who, that would kind of back up your claims? So um, I'll, I'll open it up. We could do a just a, everybody jump in. But who, who would make a list like that for you guys? I'll go. Um, first and foremost, I got no ID. Mm. Uh, you could take any of the first <laughs> the first like three common albums but I would say go to um, uh, Resurrection and uh, One Day It All Makes Sense back to back definitely you know opportunities for you to hear those and truly you could do you know Dream of a Believer you could do Jay-Z 444 and none of those projects really sound the same yeah, yeah. Um, also got Crisis. Mm. I would say Jericho Jackson uh, would be probably where I would recommend going first. But really, a lot of the early Justice League stuff, um, the away team stuff, like you could definitely check for what they what he was doing even back then. Just stuff like Legacy that was dope. Uh, actually, my list is kind of that way where. A lot of these producers may not have like a, a specific album that I would recommend, but their body of work kind of speaks for itself. In a lot of cases, like they they'll they'll be involved in a lot of like major major projects or you know like top artists, even if they don't have like a, a particular album that you need to check for. That said, my next producer is uh, Bink. Mm. Bank is all over your favorite rapper's projects. Like he's <laughs> he's definitely got something with your favorite rapper. He, he did stuff for Redman and Kanye and Cypress Hill, Cole, Game. He does R and B. Like he's he's definitely you know a, a bit of an unsung hero. I think in the game, and you love his music even if you don't recognize. That that's him. For instance, uh, Santorini Greece by Ross, right? That's Bink, mm. and that song that song get a lot of love, but we don't talk about the production necessarily. Even though the, the track is, is cold, just it's not one of the top, you know, name producers, so you don't get name checked like that. Um, he did Kanye's uh, what was that? Uh, Devil in a New Dress. Oh, he did that. Yes. Okay. Yes, right. He did one nine hundred hustler for Jay Z. I always thought that was uh Just Blaze. Yeah, his sound is similar to Just Blaze. Yeah, yeah, but he's been at it a lot longer. Back to like if you think Beast from the East, that uh the, the cannabis track, like that's Bink. 
Really? Yeah. Oh man, I'm getting an education tonight. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, he get the shout out from uh, from Redman before Red starts his verse. Okay. He did all, all girls pause for for corrupt. Like he been he been around. He's definitely been around. Like. Bink is uh definitely within the fabric of hip hop. Um, we just don't talk about him enough. Also, in that same vein, Knotts is another is another producer that bangers on bangers on bangers um, that we know and love, and we just don't necessarily like shout him out um, nearly as much as he needs to. And like I said, with Bank, it's it's not a specific project, but he's he's there, right? He's doing stuff with Ghost or Busta. Um, that uh, everybody rise from extinction level event, like that. The the perfect start to an album. He did that. That's oh, not nice. Nice. Oh, oh that's not. Yep, yep. You're right. Yeah. Um. What else? What else? I probably should have looked this out. He did um, a bunch of stuff for like the Dirty Harriet album. He do stuff for MOP. Um, man, some stinkers out there for sure. But <laughs> he he produced for um. Do you remember this rapper named the Bad Seed? Kind of. Is he, he a West Coast guy? No, he's actually from Chicago. Um, okay. He had that song Smokey on the Echo Unlimited. Uh, mixtape. I don't really remember that one. Okay, okay. He he did he did that track. He also did another track by the Bad Seed called Kids. Yeah, he's he's got some sleepers, man. He's got some sleepers. Most definitely. Um, he did one of my favorite little brother songs off of the Made a Little Watch that's sitting alone. Oh, he did that. Yes, indeed. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. that was a, that was my favorite track on the album. Yeah, man. That um, off the Merce, he got a production credit off of uh, Super Kojo Brothers. I know that was a Ninth Wonder production, but he get he did something on there because he gets producer credit for that one. So he's definitely like like I said, all over your your favorite rapper's discography, and just not necessarily uh, knowing. Matter of fact, I think he's part of the Soul Council. That's probably why he got. Yeah, he is. Okay, so that's why he got the the credit on that one. DJ Muggs is another one, and with him, <laughs> anything you know, early Cypress Hill, I probably would go with Black Sunday. But you can't go really wrong with any of the Cypress Hill stuff. But when he did outside of the group was also super dope like you got a, a joint with um that he did for jizza jizza with uh i think it was jizza and razzcast but mugs did the beat all them soul assassin albums like i would recommend those too probably soul assassin 2 would be the recommendation oh i don't know maybe soul assassin 1 that's the one that had the the dre and be real track the puppet master hard to say Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely check out Cypress Hill Black Sunday or 
uh, Soul Assassins 1 and 2. How about that? I, I, I won't even say y'all should pick one. Just <laughs> You can go with, go with both of those. Oh, and check out the album he produced for Jizza called Grandmasters back in 2005. The production on there is banging. Yes, indeed. I was thinking about kicking him off my list. I'm going to go ahead and give him a shout out anyway. Uh, Focus with three dots. He was kind of up under Dr. Dre. He did a lot of stuff with like TDE pretty early on. I would definitely give him a check. He doesn't have as long a discography as the other producers that I've just named. But just know he got the Dre seal of approval, which, which says a lot. So if you see anything with, with him on there, I would I would recommend giving that one a holler. I'm trying to think of the track he did with uh I wanna say it was Big Pool's album, but he had Kendrick and uh Absol on it like really early on. Mm, okay, okay. And last but not least, Black Milk. Mm, good one. Which, which maybe he's probably a little more um a little more rec- recognizable than some of the other producers' name, but Black Milk Cold, man. Like, not that he's Dilla or trying to be Dilla, um, but Detroit was definitely in a, in a good place, you know, even having lost Dilla. Yeah, So yeah. as far as... My bad. No, I was just going to say, Black Milk, I... I, he was definitely a Dilla you could tell he was a Dilla disciple when he first served for sure. and it, it honestly took a while for him to kind of grow on me and it's it's not so much that he grew on me as I think he improved with time as well because you listen to the stuff he does now and you listen to say Black by Popular Demand and it sounds like a totally different producer yeah you know, I would agree with that he's definitely expanded his sound um, as far as projects i would say go with um random acts mm-hmm. with uh sean price and guilty and even though you know it's not necessarily your favorite i would i, no, I was gonna say popular but demand but now go with sound of the city go with go what sound of, the city. sound of the city sound of the city okay yeah that first one that was the first one mm-hmm Okay, I thought Black by Popular Demand was. Okay. So for me, I didn't want to take up too much of the time, but definitely, um, you know, worthwhile deep dive into all of these producers for sure. Absolutely. And just to recap, that was for Jamil, that was No ID, Crisis, Bink, Knots, DJ Mugs, Focus, and Black Milk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all those dudes are dope, man. <clears throat> all those dudes are dope. Um, for me, um, I got I got about ten. I'll get the I'll get the one overlap I had out the way, and that was um, no, actually two two overlaps. No ID. I I too had no ID on that list. Same thing with Jamil. Please check out Resurrection or One Day It'll All Make Sense that he produced for, for Common. Also, the Dreamer and the, and the Believer when they reunited. It, it's like his 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 sound has grown and evolved with him it's like you listen to resurrection and you listen to, to one day all makes sense and it really does sound like it was made by two different producers it's like mm-hmm. one is very boom bap slash jazz infl- infused and then the other one is just very just funky and 
and just very saucy and lush, you know, in the way it sounds. And then the dreamer, the believer, it, it sounded more, you know, more airy and atmospheric and, you know, but still kind of rooted in that in that old boom bap. So, yeah, definitely no idea is a name that doesn't come up enough. Um, I also, too, had knots on my list. Oh, wow. He actually, he actually has a, a solo project called You Need This Music, which is uh, pretty dope. It's, it's, it's kind of a hard to find album, but uh, if you can find it, check it out. Um, it's 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 one of those uh, compilation style albums where he invites different MCs to come rap on his beats. So yeah, check that out. Check that out if you can. I also had on my list Apollo Brown. Mm-hmm. He's probably my favorite producer uh, from the last I would say ten years or so. Uh, he's from Detroit. His 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 sound is very boom bapish and lush and soulful and sample based, and he's to me he's never produced a bad album. Like, go to his Wikipedia page and, and click on his discography, and like you you can't really go wrong with anything. But my personal favorite projects of his are Sincerely Detroit and Blasphemy that he did with Raz Cas. Um, yeah, phenomenal work, phenomenal. And he also did a joint with uh, Fillmore Green, who's actually from Chicago. Uh, shout out to the West Side uh, last year. I forget the name of the album, but that that album is dope too. I also have Ayatollah. You may know him as the producer of Mrs. Fat Booty by Mos Def. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, Ayatollah. He's been making bangers for years. Um, he's got quite a few instrumental projects out there the best ones are probably um now playing listen and louder um you can't really go wrong with either of those but yeah ayatollah has been putting in work for years and he's he's got a great sound i also have dj spinner uh he's a name that not a lot of people know um he's done different he's been parts of different groups here and there but he's he does have a lot of solo work out there too He's got an instrumental series out there called Compositions, but I think the best example of his beats with paired with actual rapping is probably the album he did as part of the Jig Masters called Infectious. It's just some next level stuff, bro. Just, just he's from another planet. He's from another planet. Um, I also have DJ Mighty Mai. Um, mm, good one. He's a dude. His window for making music isn't that long. He was only really active for like a good seven, eight years as one half of the high and mighty. But he was the in-house producer for Eastern Conference Records. And he's he's got quite a few projects out there. The best ones are probably Home Field Advantage and The Twelfth Man uh, that he did as part of the high and mighty. But he's he's got a lot of other stuff out there. He's got a couple of production credits on Lyricist Lounge 2, uh, Sound Bombing 2. He's he's a he's a he's a dope cat. At least when he was active, he was dope. And then I also have Count Base D. Uh, mm-hmm. Count Count Base D is another cat from Ohio, I believe. Very eccentric dude. <laughs> Very jazzy beats. He 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 dibbles and dabbles in different a lot of different genres though. Um, but if you get a chance to check out his EP, Bag, Borrow, and Steal, definitely worth checking out. Uh, also, in, in Dwight Spitz. Dwight Spitz as well is a, is a great debut album from him. Um, next up, I have Jay Rawls. 
He's another one that's not does not get talked about enough. Um, he was one half of the group Lone Catalyst. I think the Catalyst Files album is an underground classic. Uh, great jazzy, uh, you know, uh, production. Very smooth. Very very easy on the ears. Um, check out his album The Essence Of as well. It's a it's a compilation style album, but you get a good taste of what he's capable of. And he's also got an instrumental series out called The Liquid Crystal Project. Uh, I think there's a parts one, two, and three. But just just great work, man. Just great work. Um, it's the type type of stuff you can let your parents listen to, um, and I think they would dig it. And then uh, who else do I got on here? Jake One. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, Jake One, he's another one. Um, I first took notice of him when he did the stimulus package with Freeway. Back I still in. listen to that. Man, isn't it dope? Isn't it banging? I, I just I listen to the instrumental. I Me don't too. Think I've ever listened to the rap part. <laughs> yeah, I think I listened to the rap one like twice and then I was like, yeah, these instrumentals is sufficient. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> No, Jake One got bangers. If you get a chance, to check out. Um, he he's got another one called White Van Music. Oh yeah, no White Van Music. That's the one I was about to mention. Oh man, mm-hmm. that's where I first remember. That's hearing where I first heard him, or at least, yeah. uh, or at least uh, acknowledging it. I'm sure I heard him prior to that, but that was the first time I recognized him. Yeah, yeah. Jake One is dope. Jake One is dope. He's out of uh, Seattle too. Um. So yeah, check huh. out. I didn't know that. Some reason I thought he was from the Midwest. No, no, he's from he's from Seattle. Oh, maybe because he's down with rhyme singers. I just assumed he was from up there. Oh, probably, probably. Anyway. And lastly, I have Blockhead. Blockhead is another dude who's kind of been around for years. He's he's kind of his style could be described more as trip hop than hip hop, but he does collaborate with. Uh, MCs here and there, uh, the more the more experimental MCs. Uh, but Blockhead has been incredibly consistent over his career. I love music by Cave Light. Um, also, Downtown Science is a good one too. Um, he he did a lot of stuff with Aesop Rock back in the day, and then they recently reunited for the, the last album, Garbology. Uh, but he's he's got some dope, just very like experimental left field stuff but it's very layered and very melodic you know um you can hear a little electronica in there too but he's dope man he's dope he's dope but yep that's my list that's my list now Chaz, i remember you making a case for j cole on the last one um as an underrated producer i would love to hear your uh (laughs) your thoughts Eh. I don't know. I was listening to y'all for educational purposes because and also because I was trying to see if my theory stands correct. And so far, so good. Should we let Marcellus go before I finalize my case that I'm about to make? Oh, I ain't, I ain't too deep into producers. I was just thinking Danger Mouse and Ninth Wonder. Oh, mm. Danger Mouse. That's I forgot what, about him. That That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, because I was on I was on him with the Grey album. I was like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> like, what? Wait a minute. Like, people had to literally explain to me because I'd never listened to the Black Album or the White Album. Oh, wow. uh, but remember, that joint was going through because uh, was it Napster or File mm-hmm. Pro or whatever it was? 
so everybody had a copy of this album live wire live wire that's it every you know so everybody had a copy of this album i remember i had live wire on the computer at work so i was like yeah. okay i'll download this thing i'll go home i'll come back it'll be done <laughs> if you okay. catch a virus fine it's not my computer <laughs> you know so i had to clean it up off of here so but uh that's where i heard it i remember i was working at chicago state and that's where i heard it and i was like what is this like i know this is jay-z but something else is like like something else is going on and, and somebody had you know that actually had to explain it to me it was like yeah that's you know that's from the beatles album i was like this is jay-z and the beatles when did jay-z and the beatles do a collaboration they didn't <laughs> this is this is danger mouse right. this is the producer right. that did that oh like bro you got to break it down to me like five years old you know so but like i said uh man i remember we talked about that yeah yeah that was what oh three oh four something like that yeah, 03, 04. Because yeah. I remember I, I got a copy of it through Lamar. He he was able to secure a copy of it and burn me one. And I was already a Beatles fan, actually. So I I, I, I listening to it, it was it was great picking out like, oh, this is Glass Onion. Oh, this is uh warm happiness is a warm gun. Like it was it was cool to kind of like pick out the samples. And but some of the samples I did not recognize because the way that he had reworked them. Mm. Um but yeah yeah that that was that was my first exposure to danger mouse who has stayed consistent you know yeah yeah because i like both the albums he did with Charles Barkley. yeah yeah i played he definitely pretty frequently hit, hit it out the park with chico's stuff oh chico's don't get me started that's that's next level yeah don't get me started on chico's because they need a new engineer for it <laughs> <laughs> All right, Silky Johnson. It was too loud. <laughs> it was lo-fi. It was lo-fi. It was. I I, I, I get it. I but, but I, I thought the same thing because I'm like I can't hear Black Thought. Exactly. Like I gotta read the lyrics to understand what he's saying because I can't hear him. Right. And I don't necessarily blame Danger Mouse for that anymore. That was my initial take. Like he trying to be the star. He, I am David Ruffin, and these are the temptations. <laughs> so, All right, Ch Chaz, what so, you got? So, so where are the female producers? Female, I'm sorry, I'm a woman. Where are the women producers? In hip hop, that's a great question. That is a good question. That ain't got nothing to do with J Cole, respectfully. No, I'm not even <laughs> talk about J Cole. That was just to be anti. <laughs> but, but, but really. Where are the women producers? I was listening. Y'all had lists of twenty-seven <laughs> producers, and they were all men. Now I don't, I don't know any women producers in hip hop. I'm sure they exist. I'm just not up on them. There's one who is dope. Her name is uh, is an Asian chick. Her name is Toki Monster. Yeah, uh, she is dope. She and is Wonder Girl, I heard of her. And Wonder Girl too, yep. But if your name's not Lauren Hill, uh, um, what's uh, you know, uh, Missy Elliott, like, what? Wendy, where are the women <laughs> producers? Is it because, like Young Jack said, people, men producers be wanting to uh, sleep with you for you to get the beat? I don't know. What would that have to do with with the rappers then? Well. Don't be naive, like Young Jack said. <laughs> <laughs> mouth is a mouth. But anyway, 
is it possible? <laughs> is it possible that there can't be women producers because the men, you know, I don't know. Maybe they don't respect women producers. Maybe there's an expectation of quid pro quo. Like what? And the women ain't going. Like what? What is what is really going on? That's certainly a possibility. You know, I think women are groomed more to be in front of the camera and and front and center as singers, as rappers, as opposed to behind the boards. And, right. you know, I I would like to see more women producers, honestly. I would um, agree with that. Yeah, I want to I don't want to see what the take is. However, yeah, I'm really curious. Be, dope. be dope. I don't want you to be a woman just for the sake of being a woman. Like you need right. to be cold because I'm you know i'm holding whomever to the same standard right i guess i, I wonder if there are women producers making good beats and, and artists just aren't taking them that's possible too that's a good like, question I don't, I, that's something yeah. i'm gonna dig into though I, now that you mention it I, I would love to uh to 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 tackle that i i you know i would like to have some some producers to go look at at this point I, I thought that we might have had some research done before the show yeah I, I tried to find them fair <laughs> yeah. there's the answer right there then, I, I tried to find them <laughs> does does no name do her own production uh she was some but she wasn't like considered a producer when I looked okay mm -hmm. okay the names that came up was like I mean, like you mentioned Token Monster and uh, uh what was the other one? Uh, Wonder Girl and there was one other one, but she really was doing R and B production. Now they're definitely all over R and B. Yeah, well, yeah. And maybe that is it. Maybe that's the the thing where you know hip hop artists are not necessarily respecting their ear. Yeah, that's interesting. That is that is interesting. Yeah, if 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 you have like a if you have like a a producer MC duo and like it was yeah. it was it was a, a yeah a woman and a man and but the woman was there was the producer like that that would be dope. Yeah, Corinne Bailey Ray. And she does pop music though, right? Yeah. No, she just did the joint with Elzai. She not is. not Kareem Bailey Ray. I'm sorry, Georgia and Mil uh, Muldrow. Oh yeah, oh, she is. Yeah, she yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, she definitely comes from that Mad Lib tree. Yeah. Do you think maybe they're they're behind the scenes? They are the producer, but they're letting a man be the face for the production. Uh, I hope mm. not. No reason to believe that wouldn't happen. Yeah, it's I possible. I hope that's not the case, but I can believe it though. Yeah. I mean, people do ghost productions just for the names without any gender dynamics. So right. it, it would stand the reason that, that would happen. Uh-huh. Hmm. Well, that yeah, that was the only uh thing I noticed. Because I I really wanted to find a woman producer to bring to the table tonight. And I'm sorry, I could not discover one. <laughs> so that's my contribution. Definitely a problem. Not your fault. Yeah, yeah that, that's something I'm that's, gonna look into. Yeah, that was that's a good good point to have brought up. Yeah, and there ain't enough like subs substantive female rappers, in my opinion, or should I should say rappers who are women. Yeah, you know, it's it's just yeah, it's just not enough. 
But I guess it's the that's a whole niggas be dismissive of that. I, I realized too because I um I sent some of the homies a a, a clip of Saba and I was like, yo, she is colder than your favorite rappers. Like she is, she is dope. And uh, <laughs> one of the comments was, she's wearing too much. I'm like, come on, man. I know you're making a joke, but Not the point really. is, we, we trying to get, we trying to get past that. That's why I sent it to you. You got a million Instagram, air quote models that you know that's their lane. This woman is a craftsman or craftsperson, and that's the joke you make. Like, listen to the bars. Yeah, you can't reform everybody, right? Truth, sure. truth is, uh, yeah, truth is sometimes told in a joke. Yep. Right. Some, right. some niggas are just philistines. <laughs> this is this is true. Yeah, man. Unfortunately, but um. Oh, going back to J. Cole real quick. Is there a track? Is there a reference track I should check out? Because maybe I'm missing some. I, I I I can't speak to his production. Yeah, do you listen to any of the Dreamville projects? The like Revenge of the Dreamers, any of those? Uh I gave him a once through. I, I, I can't say I, I really, really dug into him. Okay. Do that. If there's one I should check out. <laughs> so which one should I start off with? Let's see. I like Revenge of the Dreamers 3. So check that one out. With okay. Lambo Truck, Down Bad. Check that one out. Okay. Self Love with Baby Baby Rose. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So real quick, before we dive into our album Face Off, um, this is, uh, we're going into the summer, which is uh, vacation season as well. Uh, so uh, a lot of people may be taking road trips with the family. So one mailbag question I wanted to tackle with, with the crew, what, if any, hip hop albums make great road trip albums or great to bump on a, on a, on a road trip? Uh, I myself will be taking two road trips very shortly and I would love to get put on to some stuff. I, I, I have my own favorites, but I would love to hear if you all have any recommendations to bump on a road trip. I had two ideas. Like sometimes I like to use road trips for like learn or educational purposes in a sense. So like um I was thinking like a Kanye West tutorial where you go down his his lip his um catalog. So start with college dropout, go late registration, go common B, go graduation kind of thing, and end it with a uh, homecoming as you on the way back to the city. <laughs> Okay. But then I was thinking just in terms of albums I would like to listen to on a road trip. I like The Roots Come Alive. Mm. The, live Earth, the live album. Uh Reflection Eternal Train of Thought. Mm. Um, of course, Black Star. Yep. And that <laughs> I know this is a little out of left field, but I like Puff Daddy and the Family uh No Way Out. I wanna no hear Victory. Out. I want to hear victory. <laughs> yep. Facts. Facts. Yep, that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, Buster Rhymes was going nuts on that hook. <laughs> he sure was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, these are some good ones, man. I haven't heard Roots come alive in years, man. Um, I just, I didn't gravitate to it because the, the material on it wasn't new. Right. Um, 
so I might I might have to check that one out. Um, and then Black Star, definitely Train of Thought. I actually have Train of Thought on my list. Okay. Um, it's a it's, long it's a, album. Yeah, it's yeah. a very lengthy album, but like, oh man, the second half is ugh, bulletproof. It's bulletproof. But um, but still, Jamil, did y'all have any recommendations for road trip albums? do yeah for me mainly like uh something a little bit lighter not not too heavy because usually on the road trip you're trying to have fun you know so i had uh at aliens you know uh some stankonia tracks i do have at aliens you know because i think uh is is solid but equimini also gets a little deep and I, I try not to get too deep when I'm the longer I'm driving, the less deep I want to be. Mm. You know, because I don't want to be lost in something and get get distracted. Because I don't some stuff I just don't want to think about while I'm driving. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm, uh, nah. If I you if don't want to hear about Sasha Thumper when you're driving, right? If I got to long <laughs> half an hour, I can't do equipment now. Nah. Um, now, now you do have some some solid beats on um, Good Kid, Mad City. That's something that'll keep you woke. And um, the Face Off album, the the RZA's album. Ah, that mess is hilarious, and it, it's, got, <laughs> it's got minor. Beats, you know what I'm saying? It's got more more. Uh, it's faster beats. It's got faster, faster rap beats. It's not putting you to sleep necessarily. So indeed, that, that's indeed. my uh, my takes on that. Okay, all right, great recommendations. I, I too had ATL hands on my list. Um, Jamil, I love to hear what you got. I actually have a Quimini. <laughs> oh wow! Everybody went ATL <laughs> Um, man, you got Rosa Parks going down the highway. Come on, man. Um, I have Equimini, I have uh, Quasimodo, The Unseen. Woo! Good one. I, I got uh, Black on Both Sides. Yeah. Um, yeah, back to Black on Both Sides, yeah. I got uh, Jurassic Five Power in Numbers. Oh, wow. That's one way. Uh, the Blueprint, Jay-Z. Really? Yeah. It's got a lot of sing- sing-along uh, track that you can have on there. Uh, to Pimp a Butterfly. Oh, yeah. And Doggy Style. Really? Doggy Style is a good road trip album. Excellent. <laughs> to Pimp a Butterfly, I can see because that, that, uh, that whole album is like a journey. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That would be one that you would probably start with. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, everything just kind of comes comes full circle at the end. Yeah, I, I think it's personally, I think it's Kendrick's best album. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but hey, that's, <laughs> that's just how I feel. <laughs> now that that should be a topic for another day. Like <laughs> a list of list of groups that's got controversial best albums. Like what's what's Outkast's best album? What's Tribe's best album? Wu Tang's best album? Kendrick's best album, Cole's best album, that type of thing. Oh yeah, because I I think I shoot Midnight Marauders for Tribe, um, 
Pimper Butterfly by Kendrick. Wu Tang Forever by Wu Tang. Um, by Outcast. Equimini. It's Equimini. I don't think that's an unpopular take, though. I, say, I no, love how you was trying to hesitate as though it was something else. <laughs> he, he was trying. <laughs> now, now I think a, I think an argument could be made for, uh, hmm, argument could be made for Love Below, it but not, that sir. would be just Dre. And I do like the, some of the tracks on Big Boy's side, but that's not my flow. You know, I like the way you move, and, and a couple other ones. Yeah, I like them. This one got the radio play, but I'm like, nah, th- that that's not usually what I would listen to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Pa- Power and Numbers by J Five. That is a a dope album. Um, in my opinion, their best. Um, mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Uh, the Unseen by Quasimodo. That's some like it's the end of the week and I'm relaxing and with some brown liquor type type. <laughs> but yeah, I love that album. The, the, the production on there is second to none. Um, for me, <clears throat> um, road trip albums I have. I actually got a couple of instrumentals on here. I, I, I'm a little bit more open to instrumentals for some reason or for road trips. I have RJD2 with Dead Ringer. Um, yep. I think that's yep. a great. Uh, road trip album. I also have DJ Shadow introducing. You really can't mention RJD2 without bringing up DJ Shadow because he kind of kicked off that whole instrumental album movement. I also have the Avalanches with Since I Left You. Oh, nice. Mm. Nice. I forgot about them. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. That is a great just press play trip hop album from beginning to end. Um, it, it just it keeps your attention the whole the whole way through the whole run through of the album. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I also have J Live with all of the above. It's one of my personal favorite hip hop albums of all time. But just a great listen, man. Just a, a great mature listen. Very reflective. The soundscapes he, he chooses are, are dope. Um, I think it's great for a road trip. Um, I also had Reflection Eternal Train of Thought. I, I commented on that one already. I also had AT Aliens by Outcast. But I also have, um, I don't know why, I, you know, maybe it's the bop, maybe it's the jazz influence, but I also have Smith and Wesson with The Shining on my list from Good Robin Spree. You said what? They ain't going to the Robin Spree. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I have Foreign Exchange Connected. That's a good one. Uh, just, just, just great vibes on there. Uh, great positive vibes. And then, lastly, I have Wu Tang Forever by Wu Tang. What better way to, to consume a, a double album than on a road trip? Yep. Right. Good point. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting a Griselda project, but I can't put my finger on which one it would be. Uh, eight. Which one? Eight. Oh, Hiller wears her man's eight. Yeah. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe side A or side B. B. Okay, all right, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I just I feel like Griselda in their discography. There's a good road trip album somewhere in there. Maybe that's I it. Mean, the wrong streets. Uh, which one? The the, the first uh, one. 
the first one the one with the the was it kiss the ring is that the name of it yeah that was a long one that was a long one shoot maybe even armani caesar yeah she's 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 got a dope project yeah the liz part two i i I could probably bump that on a road trip but uh but yeah just wanted to get some suggestions man just wanted to get some suggestions i would definitely take all you all suggestions uh under advisement uh over the next week or so and uh and and bump some of these these recommendations y'all gave me and to the listeners uh if you taking any road trips please please check these albums out that we have mentioned so um let's jump right into our album face off for the night battle with a wu-tang clan man (laughs) i i this is the first album face off of this nature that i've done where i put one member of of the or two members of the same group against each other i believe and i'm looking forward to this one man this was a fun one for me Uh, so in one corner we have uh the rizza with his debut album bobby digital going up against Beneath the Surface by Jizza. Now, Rizza's Bobby Digital, this was his debut album released uh, uh, November 24th, 1998 on G Street BMG Records, clocking in at 21 tracks in 67 minutes. Uh, And it was produced by Rizza, Inspector Deck, and King Tech. And then in the other corner with Beneath the Surface by Jizza, this was actually his second L- no, I'm sorry, his third LP um, released June 29th, 1999 on MCA Records, clocking in at 18 tracks in 49 minutes. And it was produced by Mathematics, Arabian Night, Riza, Inspector Deck, and John the Baptist. Uh, so I will get the floor over to you all between these two albums, between Bobby Digital in Stereo and Beneath the Surface. Which one were you feeling more and why? Um, I'll swing it over to you, Chaz. I know you got working with some time constraints. Uh, well, you know how I feel about skits, cuz, man. <laughs> I don't like interruptions like this, especially, you know, I'm a girl, so I don't like all that ha ha ha, little goofy stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm a fool with it. I'm sorry. Somebody hit a song. It doesn't appeal to me. So, like, Breaker Breaker's a hit. We already know. Breaker Breaker's a hit. But outside of that, I had to give it to Bobby Digital. You know, my favorites on there is like uh, the Spanish joint <laughs> and oh, then yeah. uh, F What You Think. But all in all, I feel like the project just has better beats. It flows, and as I mentioned before, it's not all them skits. Okay. I'm expecting to lose this battle. I'm expecting everybody else to say Jizza, and that's that. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but but yeah, I definitely respect the pick. Yeah, yeah. That's what you think was fun, and, and, and I like how it was like sandwiched in between Lab Drunk and Daily Routine. Remember daily routine. Back in the day, it was always a cat who seemed to have that instrumental handy and ready to freestyle to. Right. Um, as well as um, what was the other track? Airwaves. Uh, I thought you were gonna say Mantis. No, I wish people had it. I wish there was an instrumental of Mantis floating around. I had it. You did? Absolutely. Oh man. That was that was that was that that beat was bananas. Yeah, um, man. But let's uh okay, okay. 
So let's uh let's let's swing it around to Marcellus. Between these two albums, which one were you feeling more and why? So I I wasn't expecting this. But the Jizz's album, to me, is a deeper album. It has more wordplay. Um it, it is a consistent album, but to me it doesn't have any bangers. Like yeah, like Chad said, you know, Breaker Breaker, you know, like Crash Your Crew. Um, and it, but it was just, it didn't grab you like the RZA's album to me. Because the RZA's album is hilarious. Like, like it's just different points in the album where you will just bust up laughing. <laughs> you know? And, and, like, you got tracks on the, on the album trying to pull the tracks up. Not just, uh, mantis with a holocaust i mean the b-o-b-b-y right you got love jones you got mantis you got holocaust right um so my loving is digi you know so it's like all those those tracks right there are more are are bangers in comparison to just his album he may have something that's deeper and be talking about like you said beneath the surface a deeper subject it it's a it's almost like a existential album. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like to me because of the way the the beats move. The beats don't sound like something that's trying to get the party live. The beats are the type of beats that make you think. And he's always saying something deep. He's always saying something about space or, or whatever, you know, some metaphysical stuff. So, but, um, like I said, it, the RZA's album is just it, it has more bangers and it's a fun it's more of a fun album yeah, yeah, I got you I got you because even with those five tracks I'll just, I could just put that on the playlist and just play those five tracks you know okay, alright understood, alright, so Marcellus is giving it to Bobby Digital Jamil, who you got in this face off between the RZA and the Jizza? I definitely did not expect it, so I feel better about my pick now. Um, Bobby Digital, I, I mean, myself said it like it's it's got better beats. Like Rizzo clearly kept his <laughs> best stuff for himself. Um, I didn't love Breaker Breaker like that. Like I, I, I just never really moved me when I was to beneath the surface. Rizzo um, is clearly the superior MC. Like that part is not debatable. And he does not get it's a it's a consistent album. Like it's just, mm-hmm. you know, good meat and potatoes hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't necessarily like grab your ear um, by way of production the way the Bobby Digital does. So I mean it's just that it's definitely beneath the surface for me. Because <laughs> yeah, Jizza, Jizza is a better MC. Like uh, Bobby Digital was fine, it was fine, but uh, R- too much RZA for me does not work. Like I hate to hear him. <laughs> the production, the production is the production is crazy on that. Um, but if I get too many RZA verses in a row, I'm I'm done with it because he, he rap like he got water in his mouth. Needs to talk about all kinds of stuff that just doesn't make sense to me. And whereas it, I can see the humor in what you know some of the tracks were, uh, like the Kiss of the Black Widow with, uh, with ODB on there, 
expressing his love for the women in in, in a way that only he can. <laughs> that was fun. Ask my uh, mama. She don't know. <laughs> she ask don't know. Go, <laughs> go ask your brother. Um, and then domestic Saying, violence was not for the features, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, uh, domestic violence was not nearly as funny to me now as it was when I first heard it. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Like, in 1998, it was funny to me because I was a kid. It was like, ah, she cussing him out. It ain't fun when you know an actual couple like that. (laughs) This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. I've I've witnessed that very type of argument. Same language and all. I'm like, yo, can I leave, please? (laughs) I just need y'all to get away from the door so I can get out. I ain't asking. I go. I go out your bathroom window. <laughs> That's probably yeah, what I should have done. done. I'm, not catching, I'm not catching the case for nobody but me. <laughs> word, word. Because we all about thirty seconds from somebody getting choked or stabbed, and you know what I'm gonna say? I'm I was hopping out the bathroom window. <laughs> right. That's what I'm gonna say. Like, remember that? Right. Uh, who was that comedian? We was like, I was on the bench. I was on the bench. Who was that? Uh, that, that comedian. Um, he was, he was like, his dad was like, well, what did you do about the fight? I was sitting on the bench, you know, and it's like, well, did you, did you help him out? I was sitting on the bench. And that's, that's going to be my answer for everything. If I ever caught that mess, I was going out the window. I was going out the window. Out what the window. I didn't see nothing because I was out the window. But what about when she stabbed him 20 times? I was out the window. Right <laughs> 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 The curtain hey. was blowing in the wind. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> hey. I was already what gone. Wasn't me. <laughs> Yeah, um, like I enjoy the Bobby Digital just fine, but it's definitely not one that I reach for. Um, certainly not as a complete project. Like I have tracks on it that I enjoy, mm-hmm. but I just throw them on a the playlist. Um, I don't, I don't like, generally like go back and listen to that one. So for me, it was it was definitely beneath the surface. Okay, all right. Yeah, for me, beneath the surface just isn't one. Like I just can't grab it. I can't grab it and go. I gotta, you know, I gotta be in like a certain type of mood to be listening to beneath the surface. I gotta be in a certain type of mood to listen to just in the, you know, to begin with. In, in general, yeah, 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 yeah. You ain't. This is not. This is not a light read. Like, right, <laughs> right. You know, just as just as like the Dostoevsky of rappers or something. Like, bruh. Facts. <laughs> I can't just. I just can't pick this up. Can I get the know? cliff notes? Right, right. <laughs> but I mess with that. I definitely mess with that. Yeah, no, that's I respect that. Yeah, because he definitely the better lyricist. That ain't never been in question. All right, for myself, like I said, man, I really have fun with this album, Face Off. But I, I gotta admit, man, like you know, Jizza is the better MC uh, by leaps and bounds. Um, but RZA crafted the better album. It, um, it, it is. It is technically a better album. It's just, like I said, I think the, the go, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I think he, I, not think, I think, I know he, he crafted the better album in this case. Now, the RZA album, it was longer, had more tracks, but it was also more world building, so it didn't feel as long. You have plenty, you have those, those, those interludes, like, um, like Slow Grind African, Slow Grind French, uh, Slow Grind Italian, like, and they proceeded the exact songs that they should have mm-hmm. yeah. um so that was that was great 
And the Rizzo was just, it, like y'all say, it was just more fun. It was more entertaining. It was more versatile. The Jizza, I felt, was a perfectly fine album. I thought it started off strong. I thought it ended strong. But in the middle, it kind of faltered. It faltered with some of the skit placement. It faltered definitely with production because he was using kind of like these, you know, B-grade Wu-Tang producers, like who at the time was Arabian Night Mathematics. And it was like, it, it's a polished sounding album, but it just, it kind of lacks the grit of a, of a Liquid Swords. And it, it also lacks some of the versatility and imagination of a legend of the Liquid Swords, uh, which was, uh, I think, the album that came after this. And, and and Jizz is great. He's a great lyricist. I know what he's capable of. And what he's capable of, I, I did not, lyrically, I did not get on this album. I got it in, I got it in doses, but there's no track on here like a labels. There's no track on here like an Animal Planet or a Fame. You know, I think Crash Your Crew was fine. I think... Uh, Amplify sample is fine. Uh, Feel like an enemy. I thought Mike Trippin was a uh, was a great clo- album closer, but the the middle of the album just suffers from just being kind of mid. Whereas with the RZA, the RZA got better as the album played out. Um, yeah. yeah. Basically, like, oh man, Air- Airways was dope. Love Jones was dope. NYC everything with Method Man, and then you hit Mantis, and then everything from Mantis on is just fire. You you got slow run, you got you got Holocaust with Holocaust. Ghostface and Doctor Doom. Every second of that track is worth it. That's five minutes and fourteen seconds. Every second, nobody dropped the ball on that track. Uh, indeed, indeed. Then you had Terrorist, which was dope. Uh, that beat was crazy. Your Bobby did it. Is that the one? Was that the one? No, no, I didn't think that was another one. Uh, handwriting on the wall with Raz Cass just just came out of nowhere. It just came yeah. out of nowhere. Uh, we got a great verse from Raz Cass. Then it goes right into Kiss of the Black Widow with ODB. Then you got My Loving is Digi. We ain't even talk about that. That was one of the best hooks on the album. I, that, oh man, that was this, definitely yeah. You know, with the black exploitation vibes, then you get into domestic violence. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and everybody already said the right sentiments on that on, on domestic violence. But man, to see have a no actual couple that acts like that is not fun. It's no. not not entertaining at all. Um, and then you got the other kind of like, you know, deep, deep digs or deep cuts like Lab Drunk and oh, Project Talk um, with Beretta 9 was dope. It, it was a nice little conceptual track. It was like he does a lot throughout this entire album to keep you interested. Yeah. You know, RZA ain't the best rapper or got the best flow, but he does enough to keep you interested. And he gives you plenty of features to kind of like, you know, keep keep the ship steer right. Um, and I, I kind of I got a, a lot of sentimental va- sentimental value tied to Bobby Digital as well. I heard I heard Bobby and NYC everything, and I think Love Jones when when this album first dropped. But it took me like a year or two to really get up on it. But the year I really dived into this album, I was in a um, a summer program 
uh, going into, I think my junior or senior year in high school, but I was in the summer program at uh, the Marwin Foundation on the near north side. And there was a cat in there who was a tagger as well. And we would link up sometimes and he had a hookup at a, at a, um, a art supply store down there. And we would get a lot of free stuff, free cans and stuff. So I was doing a lot of tagging around this time. And one of the albums I was bumping and was in constant rotation at, at this this very like specific time in my life was Bobby Digital. Um, mm. It was it was this album, and it was it was Second Manipulation by Memo from the Moment, and those were my tagging albums that that particular summer. And um, so I got a lot of memories tied to it with that. Also, too with the whole Bobby Digital persona and alter ego, Marcellus, you know this, as to this day, our crew handshake is an ode yep. to Bobby Digital. Yep. To this day. So, yeah. kind of, kind of, wasn't good. it was kind of impossible to, for, for Rizzo to lose this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> for me. But, but, but yeah, great, great album. Um, but yeah, it, I, I, you know, the Jizzle was was a perfectly fine album, but the Rizzo was just, just more fun, more entertaining, and for me at least, got had more sentimental value. And 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 he he definitely Rizzo definitely stuck to the script. Um, mm. He stayed on theme throughout. You know, he was pretending to be this other character that wasn't wasn't Rizzo. It was somebody else, and and he had his own special set of skills and things that he was into and he just he he stuck to the script he stuck to the script and stayed on thing so yeah very very dope album very dope album <clears throat> all right so with that let's go ahead let's cap off this episode like we always do with another segment of what you're bumping where i invite y'all to share with the listeners what you've been bumping for the past week or so uh, so, Chaz, uh, what you been bumping? Well, so last show, Reggie, I think, it talked about uh, Maybach Music 3. Um... And so that kind of had me go down a rabbit hole. So then I started listening to Maybach Music 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> and then I started using, listening to the artists within the Maybach Music group. So like, um, you know, Wale, Omarion. And then I ended up getting a, somebody gave me a ticket to a vegan, de- vegan fest this past Saturday. So man, I'm salty. I'm salty I didn't go to that, man. Yeah. Uh, apparently it was it was a cool thing to be at. A, a guy from um Patron had offered me two tickets, but I I turned them down because I had plans with my mom and then my mom stood me up and I was like, man, I could have went to Vegan Fest. Yeah, it was it was pretty crowded. I was shocked at how many people were there and I ended up getting pretty much right to the uh left of the stage. So Yeah, Styles P was there, right? Uh Jada Kiss. And um, we got there late, but I did see Jada Kiss and I did see Rick Ross. Okay, yeah, because they're vegans. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. But so then. Make a work at Wingstop. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, wait, yeah. I don't think now that you mentioned it, yeah, I don't think Ross is a vegan. I know, yeah, I know, I know Styles P is. I know Styles P is. I know a couple of people in Wu Tang are. But yeah. So I'm gonna give a shout out because there was this restaurant or booth called uh, the Vegan Pimps of Memphis. That's yeah. hilarious. Man, you talking about good? <laughs> It was so good that I've been dreaming about mushrooms <laughs> all day. <laughs> like, man, what was in there? But it wasn't, so, it was just regular mushrooms, but uh, it was delicious. But then when I tried to look them up, cause I'm like, I'm gonna be in Memphis. I'm gonna try to make it down to Memphis. I think they're just a, they only open a few days a week. And I think they're called Shrew Malicious is the name of the storefront. But okay. yeah really really good really good but the tent was hilarious vegan pimps of memphis was the name of the tent <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a rap group <laughs> right and the line was ridiculously long but i stood in and i said the line is as long it's got to be delicious and it was mm. man, and somebody sorry. told me to check out a lot of dark men heist of the century well, that's a good album yeah, so I started listening. I only got through the first couple of songs because I didn't have much time. But yeah, it sounds like it's pretty good. Yeah, that's one of them slept on uh, Wu Tang affiliate joints. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's what I've been bumping. All right, nice, nice, nice. All right, Marcellus, uh, this past week or so, what you been bumping? Man, all it's kind of all over the place. Man, work was was hectic, and we had to get ready to, you know, go to Romeoville. So let's see. I know Kendrick was in there somewhere. Um, went back to J Cole. Back to Forest Hill. Um, let's see. Tribe. Outcast was in there. Roots was in there. Because usually I I try to stick to a certain sound but i was all over the place this uh this past couple of weeks gotcha gotcha yeah. okay all right sounds sound like you diving into the classics though yep yep all right nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that all right jamil man what you been bumping um not again for like the second or third week in a row not a, a ton of hip-hop again uh bumping that um Janelle Monet album, The Age of Pleasure. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I was bumping some hip hop. Feel More Green, Cost of Living. Mm. Um, ironically, Al Green, uh, Soul Legend. Okay. Was bumping the uh, Chinique Orchestra, the Vivaldi uh, Recomposed Four Seasons. They're pretty dope. Um, I came across this dude named Troy Boy, who does what is apparently called Arabic Trap. Okay. So I was bumping that album. It's called Say Less. Interesting. Troy Boy. Um, yeah. Uh, also was bumping um, Black Violin, Take the Stairs. And that took me to um, Josh Vietti's String Guide. Mm. Okay. Sounds classy. Just doing something a little, little different. A little different. Okay. 
fell <clears throat> down a, a contemporary classical music rabbit hole. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. All right, for myself, I have been bumping Bodie James' album, uh, Killing Nothing. Uh, it's got some nice summery vibes to it, so I forgot to throw that on. I was listening to Monster Island Czars, Escape from Monster Island. That is a MF Doom affiliated crew that from back in the day, uh, they, they released the album and I didn't even know it was on streaming because it was it was so, so hard to find. But I found it and I was bumping that. Um, I was also revisiting some some joints from earlier in the year because I'm trying to put together my best album mid-year list. So I was bumping uh, Danny Brown and JPEG Mafia, Scaring the Holes, uh, Volume 1. I was bumping... <laughs> I was bumping Just, Just Vibes and Negro Justice, uh, Art of the Craft. Just kind of seeing if I still feel the same way about that album as well. And I was bumping... Uh, album I feel is even doper than it was when I first heard it. Mickey Diamond, Oroku Saki. <laughs> that project is banging. Yeah, that, that project is banging. Um, dude's an MF Doom disciple. Um, and it's, instead of instead of taking on the Doctor Doom persona, he took on a Shredder persona, and it's like it's just this is just dope. He's got he's got a really dope voice. So he's easy to listen to, but the production is 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 on point too. So that makes it even better. But yeah, Oroku Saki is the name of the project. <laughs> nice. Yeah, check it out, Marcellus. You would dig it. You would dig okay. it. And when you see the cover, the album cover, you're gonna instantly know what he's paying homage to. <laughs> gotcha. Turtles. <laughs> yep, yep. But uh with that, Jamil, do we have any album anniversaries? We in fact do. There are quite a few. Um, celebrating five years this week in the second of the many uh Kanye EPs of 2018, we got Kid See Ghost celebrating five years this week. Oh wow. Um celebrating ten years this week. We got uh, Prodigy and Alchemist, Albert Einstein. Uh, Action Bronson Sob Stories and Jared Benton, my grandmother's basement. Or my grandma's basement, rather. Uh, normally, I would not skip over years, but I want to end with a 30 year album instead of the 35 year album. So we'll go from 10 years to celebrating 35 years this week with the debut album of EPMD, Strictly Business. Oh, wow. Mm. 35 yeah, years? 35 years. It's crazy. Sneaking and listening uh, to that, huh? At five. I can't say that I was in 1988, but eventually I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and celebrating 30 years. And the album release date was June 8th. One day off. Uncle Luke in the nude. <laughs> Celebrating 30 years this week. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it came out June 8th, huh? It came out June 8th. <laughs> he just couldn't get the release date he wanted, huh? They they played. Because, you know, everything had to come out on a Tuesday back then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That's the only reason I believe that it came out on the 8th. I think that if we had the ability to drop whenever you wanted, like we do now, it would have came out on a proper holiday. <laughs> <laughs> But he got as close as he could. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, good old Luke. Yeah, that one. That one had me cracking up laughing when I saw the saw that <laughs> and the date in the nude. Oh man, never forget the 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 the, the battles he fought so that 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 <laughs> we can have freedom of speech. <laughs> I'm trying to tell y'all. So so uh, so Griselda can sell drugs in the community, right? And and, and Scarlet can do whatever it is that she does and have. Me wondering whether never mind. I'm not gonna say that on mic. <laughs> and th- and thanks to him, without 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 Luke, we we couldn't have Danny Brown and JPEG Mafia scaring the hoes. Facts. Facts. <laughs> there is no there is no Megan the Stallion without Luke. That's true. Yeah. No Kim. No Fox. None of that. <clears throat> none of that. None of that. None of none of it. Really. No Pop. No Biggie. None of this. That, that, you, you mentioned Scarlet. She, what's what's your what's your opinion of Scarlet? I saw what Vince was talking about when he said uh, she kind of have DMX vibes. She looks to me every time I see her rap, um, she looks like an improv sketch artist to me. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's playing a role. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm just not really feeling it. Yeah, I mean, I heard that that's, that track she did, This Is New York, and that is the most New York. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. I've heard yes, it is. in a long time. I mean, this is so New York. Yeah. And I also saw an interview with her, too, where she was kind of talking about some of the stuff she had to grow up dealing with. And it was really traumatic. Like, I'm like, this this chick can use some therapy. And I, I, I take it that music is her therapy, but... She had mm-hmm. been horrible stuff, and she does not seem completely healed from it, you know. Mm. And of course, I can't, I, I can't be the one to say, of course, because I don't know her personally. But it was just kind of, it was just kind of sad. It was, I was like, okay, this kind of explains some things, like her, be her aggression and all of that. Yeah, yeah, but that that New York track she did, I'm like, oh my god, like this is something Onyx would have done back in the day. Hmm. I mean, shout out to Cardi because she. She seemed like the type of artist who would actually take somebody like Scarlett under her arm and mm-hmm. you know try to help her. Is that what's happening? Because I've only seen her. They with did like... a collab. She said she really wanted to make it. So I mean, I I could see her okay. being in the corner. Okay, because I, I mainly see her with a lot of male artists. Like um, I've seen her with Benny the Butcher and who else? Few few other New York cats. Busta Rhymes. Yeah, yeah, a few other cats. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how our career shapes up, man. It, it, it'd be great if she could keep the momentum going, but you know how, you know how how that goes with rap careers, you know these days. But we we, we shall see. Especially women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, especially. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's like they their their shelf life is just unfortunately just so much shorter, you know, depending on how they come out the gate. But you know. Hopefully, hopefully she can, you know, carve out a de- decent career for herself. But uh, but yeah, she scares me. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but um, <laughs> with that, with that, we are. Um, I-, I would like to thank each and every one of you for carving away some time from the families and and hopping on the show, making it what it is. Uh, I will be out of town next week, next Monday, so. Uh, there won't be a show, but look out for our playlist to drop for for a little little beat tape to drop in lieu of a show. 
And Jamil, I'm actually being your neck of the woods, so uh, hopefully yes, we will cross paths. Uh, but if not, you know, I understand. You know, oh, no, we gonna make it. We 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 gonna make that happen. All right, for sure, for sure, for absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but with that, uh, I will bid y'all adieu. And with that, I'm gonna say peace. All right, later. Peace, 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 peace. Four, three, two. Can't be afraid.